The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you as always. And for the next 30 minutes, an open, frank conversation about gambling and gambling addiction. I always say we don't you know, espouse any one particular belief because there's a lot of ways to crack a nut but whatever it is if you feel like you have a problem gambling or you have a loved one that has a problem gambling the purpose of the show is to let you know that there is help out there and there is hope as well joining us as always uh, from the new jersey council on compulsive gambling better known to you as 800 gambler dan trelaro danny good morning how you doing bud Hey, I'm doing great, Craig. Good morning. And just, you know, hey, happy Father's Day weekend to you. Yeah, and likewise. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm not expecting any gifts tomorrow, but, you know, no. fingers <laughs> are crossed for sure. Um, I'm, I'm past the stages of bad ties with lights on them, but you never know what I'm going to get. I agree. Uh, joining us this morning uh, from New Jersey is a woman who's also a compulsive gambler like myself and Dan. Her name is Tiff. Tiff, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing great. I really appreciate you coming on, yo. There's um, there's a notion among some people, me included, you know, way back, where I thought this was kind of a guy thing, and oh, I, yeah. I I very quickly learned when I went to a rehab that it ain't a guy thing. It's guys and gals, and you know we all process it, unfortunately, the same way. How old were you when you first started to gamble? I was uh, 21. I actually went uh, to Atlantic City with my parents for my birthday, my 21st birthday, and that's how it all started. And what was the purpose of that trip? Hey, I'm 21. I can have a drink. Oh, and by the way, I can play slots and cards as well. Was that kind of the notion? <laughs> yeah. Well, my parents, um, they, fre- they frequented Atlantic City, so they just thought it would be kind of like a fun, like, you know, outing for all, like, the family to go and celebrate, you know, my 21st with them because they, they used to go to the casino a lot. And what was the game that you played uh, on your 21st birthday? Um, it was, like, this president's game. It was that... Um, the Claridge, which I don't even think it exists anymore, but I remember um, on the way out, I actually hit for like $1,100. Wow. Happy birthday, right? (laughs) To a 21-year-old that was like, oh my God, I got to do this again. Yeah, it's so interesting. I I remember having conversations where I was, I mean, eagerly looking forward to when my oldest son turned 21 so that I could sit at a blackjack, blackjack table with him. And there was a point in my life where that became really important that I couldn't wait till he could actually sit at a table with me. So you win 1100 bucks. Happy uh-huh. birthday. You know, obviously, yeah. there's some level where you're hooked right away to it and you want to do it more and more, or was it a gradual process? It was a gradual thing because, like I said, it was something that my parents and I did um, like frequently. And then once Parks Casino opened, I look, see, I live in like South Jersey, and that was a lot closer for us, so... Once that that opened, it was uh, we went there and said it was you know, then they gave more comps. So again, it was just something that we did together throughout the years. Right. At what point did you think for you it became, as you look back on it now, uh, a problem? Was there is there an, a, a pivotal um, moment in your story where do you think it became an issue? Um, I don't know. I think it just became an issue. Like when I would go with them, I, I noticed um, I would. I would like find myself separating from them just because I would put money. I would put more money than I would would uh, probably that wasn't as uh, not as good as I as, as I uh, should have um, more money that uh, they would probably would 
think is okay for me to do. Um, so what I would do, I would, I would be with them in the beginning uh, of our trip there. And I would usually like leave and go off on my own because I don't like to gamble with other people. Even my parents, I didn't like gambling. Sure. I thought that was like a, like bad luck to do that. So I would like venture off on my own and like, you know, find machines that I love. And then meanwhile, I would go to ATMs and get more money out and not tell them and stuff like that. Right. Cause it's, it's one of the, if you're gambling recreationally with your folks and it's a good time and everyone's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're betting more than they are. Or you're betting an amount yeah. that, you know, in their minds, you can't afford yeah. to bet that much money. All of a sudden, you know, the jig is up pretty quick. Craig, I forgot to mention this. So my, my dad actually was a compulsive gambler. And, um, mm. and early on in my, in my childhood, I, I remember, you know, him taking me over to like the Pennsylvania lottery and him getting like lottery tickets and him like, you know, watching the, the drawings and him getting either excited or pissed off if the, if the numbers right. didn't come out. So I didn't really understand that at the time, but I remember like him taking me as a kid. And I, I think for him, it became a problem, but I, I witnessed it being a problem for him, but I didn't see it for myself until it happened to me. Um, it used to cause, um, strife between my, my mom and my dad because my mom would gamble too, but she was a computer responsible gambler. My dad couldn't control his problem. So what ended up happening was, um, they would have like separate accounts and stuff like that because he couldn't handle his money. He just had a problem. And right. he would actually, he would actually like ask me for money, his own daughter to like, fund his his gambling wow. like this was like when i was a teenager so and mm. i hated it because when he would when he would like ask me for money i would i would say oh, i'll give it to you but you're going to pay me back with interest <laughs> wow so so, yeah. so you're a kid your dad's asking you for money so yeah. there was a point before you became a problem gambler is there a point as you look back where you you were you recognized clearly that your dad had an issue before you uh, did yeah i did yeah but at the same time, like when he won, like my mom and I would like kind of turn the other way, um, you know, because a lot of times he would play like a pick four, or pick three and win like hundreds of dollars. And then he would like, I don't know, buy like furniture for the house or buy a TV for the house. And it was like, all right, well, it's not that bad if you can, you know, you, uh, if you can like buy stuff for us and we can benefit from that, I think. So as, as you went down the road, were you yourself developed a problem Mm-hmm. You were you in denial about it because you saw what it looked like with your dad. So I wonder, seeing what it looked like with your dad, why didn't you recognize it in yourself? Uh, I think because I was trying to, I was trying to rationalize. Oh, I, I'm going to be smarter than he was, I guess, <laughs> and kind of like mitigate like what I, how much I would spend because I felt like maybe I was smarter than him or more responsible than him. But at this, that in the end, I feel like the addiction took over and I couldn't outsmart it. You know. Got it. Now, Dan, you know, 21 years old isn't that young to be kind of swayed by a, a parent's behavior. We talked to a lot of people where it started a lot younger than that, but it's still very similar in that, you know, the, the man she looked up to the most was gambling. Therefore, there was an aspect of it that made it exciting and interesting, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we, we hear people oftentimes will start gambling at an early age, but that wasn't the case here, as you said, with Tiff, who started at 21, but she still grew up around it. So it was normalized at an early age. So, you know, whether you participate in the gambling or you're around it or you anticipate the good outcome, you know, you start at an early age and you start living in that environment where it's normalized and you start seeing some of the positives. Hey, you know, we can now get furniture for the house. We can have this stuff that we didn't have before. But also I have a connection with my father in the same way. You know, it's Father's Day weekend and Tiff is talking about her dad and, you know, that connection she had. She looked up to him and it brought people together. 
And so there's this feeling, you know, we talk about the big win early as a child. That big win for Tiff almost seems to be more of a, a connection, more so than the monetary piece. Did you and your dad ever talk about, you know, gambling stories, like sitting around the table having a drink? Your... Yeah. Well, the thing was, he would be so excited for me when I won, like when I would tell stories, because even when I would venture off on my own, I, I'm surprised my dad didn't even, like, recognize, like, his behavior and me when I would go by myself and, like, be gone for hours and, and be gambling. But, like, he would be so excited by my wins. He'd be like, oh, Boop, you're so, you're so, um, you're so lucky. He would be so proud and tell other people, like, how proud he was of me, like, winning, um, money and, like, how lucky I was. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, gambling obviously was a very big part of his life. I wonder, and there's so yeah. much to ask you about. And I should mention that Tiff also has a podcast, uh, for female gamblers, and we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, as so, when, how long was it until you figured out you had a problem and decided to do something about it? Uh, like, uh, seriously, I had a problem. Um, I think once my parents passed away um, in uh, 2014 and 2015, um, my gambling like got out of control just because I used it as a means to escape the grief I was feeling. Right. And I didn't like care about anything. Like the the wins weren't the wins didn't hurt. The wins didn't uh, do it do it do it for me, and the losses didn't hurt me. So I didn't care anymore. Like the money had no um, value right. at all. Yeah, no, I've lived that. I've shared that story a lot where, you know, million-dollar wins, there was no celebration, million-dollar losses. I didn't care that much. I just wanted to gamble. The more I gambled, the better I felt. And winning and losing became irrelevant, which is a real problem, especially when you have access to a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, What was your game of choice? um, I liked games that had bonuses, so slots. Uh, A lot of the slot machines at Parks Casino where there were, like, random bonuses. Because I like the ran- I like the random like types of games where you have no idea when the the thing is going to go off. It just like surprises you and like the music starts playing, and you get excited. I don't know. It's, I, right. That's what I liked about it. So I'm, you were you you weren't a calculating gambler. You weren't trying to play no. numbers. You weren't trying to beat the system. No. You just sat down and if you won, great surprise, I won. <laughs> and if you lost, so what? I'm um, gambling, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm a very like lazy gambler. Um, <laughs> I, I chose games that didn't require a lot of like thought or like skill because I couldn't I could never like play card games because that's too much strategy and then I don't I don't want to piss off people at the table so I'm like that's too much stress I just come here to right to pull the level and do my own thing. yeah and what before we take our our break yeah what was the lowest moment for you uh, gambling is there one specific Ooh. moment that sticks out that made you say that's it Ooh. I remember. Uh, there was okay. I remember I was I was gambling at some machine, and there was like some type of uh, promotion going on in the other other end of parks, and you had to like you had to get like a certain number of, like by like midnight or something to like be entered in a sweepstakes. So I remember I was like racing the clock to like uh, do this, and I ended up walking away from a machine that I left like two hundred dollars in. I walked away from it just to kind of like race towards the other end of the casino. And I do what I do. I think I end up winning like thirty dollars in comps after all that. But then I remember, like, oh my god, I left like two hundred dollars in the machine. So I'm like oh. running back, and there's somebody sitting there, and I'm like, oh my god, like, he's, I'm I'm looking at the machine. All my money is still in there. I'm like, okay, what do I do? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, so I just like reached over him and like cast it out and like walked away. But then I I cashed the money and I gave him like fifty dollars. I'm like, thank you so much for not like right. gambling my money. You know, like. Because any other person would have just cashed that out, like over $200 for sure. the machine. 
I was like, oh my God, this is really bad. Listen, I know Parks well. I, when I, I would drive there after a show and I would call them on my way down. I would tell them that I was coming in, you know, how much money I was bringing, that kind of thing. And I would say to them, uh, make sure the cards are shuffled before I walk in the door. Now, a lot of places yeah. won't shuffle without the player being in front of them because of, you know, uh, there's actually casino regulations as to you know, when they can shuffle and all that stuff. Yeah. And I used to demand that the cards be shuffled ready to go so that I wouldn't waste any time watching them shuffle. Yep. You know, I, I wanted to maximize the gambling time. Well, we're talking to Tiff Kay and, of course, Dan Trelaro, and we'll continue on just after this on Sports Radio 66, 1019 FM, The Fan. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig, Dan Trelaro. Uh, that's the Council on Compulsive Gambling in New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER, and a fellow gambler. Tiff Kay, who had a real issue with gambling from the time she was 21, and unfortunately uh, her father did as well. Uh, what's the name of the podcast, Tiff? Uh, gambling Got the Girls. <laughs> Got it. So it's more, it's, uh, it's, it's for women who want to have some kind of solidarity with other women who have experienced a lot of the similar things that, that we all have, which I appreciate you doing that. Um, all right, so you have this bad moment. You're at parks. The, it's not going well. And then what was the epiphany? What made you wake up and say, I'm going to get help? Um, I think it was just seeing, like, regulars there, like, especially, like, the women who were, like, single and older that were, like, because I'm 39. I just turned 39. So, like, I would see older women, like, by themselves gambling, and it was so pathetic. I'm like, that's going to be me if I continue down this path. So I just needed to, um, I felt like I needed to get help. And also I, I felt like my parents would want more for me than what I was doing. So I just decided to get help. So that's amazing. So the power was always inside you to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for whatever yeah. reason, all of us, we just, we just never did until the one day we did, Dan. Like, what, why is that? Is there, a, is there a, a mental explanation for that? You know, I, one of the things that I hear constantly is, is people kind of describe it, and you've probably heard this too, Craig and Tiff, it's, you know, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, you've, you've kind of gotten to the point where you, you just mentally, um, emotionally, physiologically, you just don't want to deal with it anymore. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of other factors and it differs from person to person, but essentially you just kind of get tired of having to keep up this lie. It starts weighing on you so much. You know, the, the continuing of the lie, it becomes too heavy of a burden to continue to carry. And you just get, as I said, Sick and tired of being sick and tired. I tell you this, and I've experienced this also. You said some tiff that that resonated with me. It's not a good thing when you recognize and even get to know on a first name basis people that you only see in the casino. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's a number of places where, you know, if I saw the guy walking down the street right now, he and I would immediately stop and acknowledge each other's presence, yeah. and I know nothing about him. You know, they know nothing about me, I guess. And uh, there are people that are just whenever I was there, they were there, and uh, yeah. it was this weird kind of unspoken relationship that, yeah, we're compulsive gamblers. This is what we do, right? Yeah. Hey, you know, Craig, there's something Tiff mentioned before that, that I was kind of thinking about uh, during the break. You know, the style of gambling, it was the slot machine games that had this embedded extra feature 
of an extra surprise, if you will. Right. And it's just amazing when you think of how games have developed over time, where you're starting to see that pop up more and more. Where the traditional style games, like if you're playing blackjack, you're just playing blackjack in the old days. Nowadays, you sit down at a table, you've got all these side bets, three card, four card, you know, queens, whatever it might be. Same thing for slot style machines. It's not just the bars or the hearts or the stars. There's now, you know, 45 lines, multi-line payout, hit the bonus wheel. You're starting to see gambling games within gambling games for that added level of excitement and anticipation. Yeah, not only that, and what's really problematic is you're seeing it in sports gambling as well. 100%. Because now what they're offering, you know, uh, you know uh, spread boosters, odd boosters, yes. you know, uh, free this, free that, you know, bonuses, bonuses, all that stuff. So they are now treating sports gambling the way uh, old brick-and-mortar casinos treated you know, things like slots. Or I'm sure we've all been in a casino, and there's a big line in the middle of the casino, and you say, well, what's the line for? Oh, yo, that's the bonus line to get your free toaster. And there's 500 people in line for a $10 toaster. Right? That's what got me in. Yeah, that's what got me in. That's what got you in, huh? The, the, the giveaways. And also, to add to like what you guys were saying, I feel like the slot machine games are getting faster. So you can't even like keep yeah. up with, with what's going on. It's just a means of distracting you from like being responsible and taking a step back. Like, okay, wait a minute, I gotta slow down. It's just like there's so much stimulation going on that you can't even think. Well, you know, I they think. say the most popular slot in every casino is the Wheel of mm-hmm. Fortune slot, and why right. is that? Right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. music, the sounds, the all right. all the stuff that's familiar to you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did you when you first stopped gambling? Yeah. Was it uh, cold turkey? Never did it again. Or did you stop for a little while and go back and just see if you could do it still? Uh, initially, yeah. So I, I would say in like 2018, I tried to, um, I tried to like wean myself off. I'll tell you what I used to do to kind of temper my my uh, uh, urge. I would watch YouTube videos of people gambling to mm. get that sensation of of gambling without spending my money, and that kind of bought me time in terms of like. Okay, I didn't really gamble. I just I was vicarious to do these people on YouTube. So I'm cool. I'm all right. <laughs> it's yeah. really crazy. Yeah, that's what I did. But if anything, like sometimes that worked, but sometimes it made me miss the real thing. So I would end up going back anyway. Yeah, yeah. well, I wasn't a poker player, but I used to watch, uh, you know, Texas Hold'em on TV. And I found yeah. myself yelling at people <laughs> saying, <laughs> what do you, you know, that's not how you play that hand. <laughs> you yeah. know, that kind of thing. And I wasn't even a poker player, so... I get it. You know, one of the things I think is important, you know, Dan and I talk about every week, Tiff, is that there are people listening right now that, you know, whether it's live or, you know, on our podcast or download, that are just now entering the recovery stage or just now acknowledging or coming to terms with the fact that they or a loved one have a real problem. And I always think it's important that people like us share the reality that, while it seems really daunting right now and overwhelming and you know even depressing for a lot of people, that there really is a light at the end of the tunnel, and you can figure this out. And I, if you don't mind, I'd love you to share some of that message as well. Yeah, so um, for me, since I am a single person, and I don't have anyone accountable um, at home to kind of like rein me in. Uh, so I, I, I recognize that early on. I went to GA um, in 2018, um, and I, and I was ready to stop, but then I, I sat through a meeting and I, and I kind of took everyone's inventory and I was kind of like, you know, separating myself thinking, oh, well, I'm not as bad as them. I don't think I really need this. So let me kind of just do my own thing. And then I went back out to the bed, but then I came mm-hmm. back in 2019 
and I was tired. I was tired of just like what Dan was saying. I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I, I went to my first uh, GM meeting of May, May 5th, 2019. And I walked in there and there was just nothing, there was nobody but guys in there. Um, initially, so I was like, I was overwhelmed by the fact that I'm, you know, I'm in a room with, room full of strangers but at the same time there's no women in there either right but then like later on another woman did come late and i was like okay cool maybe i can do this sure (laughs) but yeah but yeah i remember sitting in my first meeting and then you know having the 20 questions right for me i'll know i don't know like who's listening but if you don't know and ga when you go to your first meeting there's something called the 20 questions which basically um ask you like how gambling affects you they're like yes and no uh uh answers and basically, if you answer seven out of 20 questions, you're considered a compulsive gambler. So that was read to me. And then I remember, like, leaving, and I still had, like, urges. I, rem- I remember someone, uh, one of the females in the in the meeting, she reached out to me. She just was like, how, how are you? How are you doing? So to me, that already was like, okay, maybe I can do this because this person felt the need to, like, reach out to me. Not like, hey, are you gambling type thing. It's like, hey, just how you doing? Like, right. just checking mm-hmm. in. And I really appreciated that. I don't need someone who's going to, like, you know, judge me because I'm having urges, you know? Yeah, you don't so, want to be judged and you, and you don't want to be preached to either, which right. uh, was a big deal for me. I don't want yeah. to, and then what I found, you know, each room is different and the people that go there are different for sure, mm-hmm. personality-wise, but right. you do find some really um, like-minded people who just care if you're doing okay and they're not there to preach, uh, but they're there for if you ever, just to listen, you know, and I think that's important yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I did that. Um, I went to a lot of meetings, especially on the weekends, because that's when I usually gambled. I just needed to fill that void of not gambling. So I did like maybe three to four meetings a week. Um, and I went to a lot of different rooms, too, because like I said, I just wanted to do my network um, of support. Sure. Like I said, I don't have anyone at home to keep me accountable. So I needed the people in the room to do that for me. Great. And um, now, it's, so it's been uh, just over two years, huh? Uh, it'll be two years in September 22nd of this year. September 22nd, two years. Well, congratulations. That's great. great. That's really great. And what's the name Thank of you. the podcast? Please tell everybody again. Gambling Got the Girls. So it's three Gs. <laughs> got it. I like it. Well, I'd be happy to come on anytime uh, to continue to spread the word, although I get it's for women. And I would just say this. Although we don't espouse, like I said at the start of the show, if GA is for you and it works, that's awesome. If you find another method that, that works that's not GA, that's great too. But I will say this, and I've said it many times on this show, Dan knows, you know, what sold me ultimately on going was I met a man that was celebrating his 25th anniversary of not wagering. And I spoke to him afterwards and I said, yo, obviously congratulations and all that, but you haven't gambled in 25 years. Clearly, you got it beat. Why are you in this room right now? And he said, this room is why I haven't gambled in 25 years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a guy like that, and I know there's a lot of people like that, whether it's 25, 20, you know, Dan's at, what, 10, right? About 10 now, Dan? Over 11, yeah. Uh, 11. I'm at, I'll be at three coming up in a little bit. It's, you know, when I when I saw that, when I heard the man say that, it made me believe that you know there's something more to it than you know just showing up for an hour and hearing people talk. So if you are considering it, you know it's very powerful, and if you uh, dedicate yourself to it, uh, it can it can work wonders. There's no doubt about it. Well, Tiff, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Dan. Before we let everybody go, is there any difference the way the female mind? 
processes gambling versus the the male mind? Are there been any studies ever done into that, or is it just one of those things where gambling lends itself more towards men than women? Or am I wrong yeah, on that? Well, there's different forms of gambling, and they appeal to different demographics and different uh, genders. And what we traditionally tend to find is that males tend to perform action forms of gambling. So games of skill, uh, horse racing, sports betting, card games, that's generally preferred by males. Females tend to prefer passive forms of gambling. Tiff kind of highlighted that today. Doesn't want to think too much about the math and the numbers, so she went to slot machines and lottery tickets. And those are passive forms of gambling, typically used to avoid an emotional issue or a problem that you you don't know how to deal with or you don't want to deal with it. So you just kind of engage in kind of the, the escape form of gambling, like slot machines or scratch-off. So those are the general findings, but it's not absolute. You know, I, I can think in my own life, I was an action gambler, but then I turned to escape gambling after September 11th because I didn't know how to cope with all of that. So it's never an absolute. It's always case by case. But those are some general, general findings. Well, I appreciate it, Tiff. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, please stay in touch, okay? Thanks for having me on. All I right. appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. Tiff. All right, Dan. Well, another week has come and gone, and another story that I think is, you know, like Tiff's, is always worth uh, being told. And there's so many stories like that, unfortunately, that don't get uh, told enough. And for those of you that are just getting into this world of trying to figure it out, there is help out there. 800-GAMBLER is the quickest and easiest way to at least talk to someone and get directed into the right uh, right area. And Dan, uh, you know, I appreciate you setting these uh, calls up because I just think there's stories that need to be told. Yeah, you know, every week we hear a different story, a different perspective, yet I always hear kind of a similar underlying theme, which is that gambling problems are progressive in nature. You know, and and sometimes people say, well, you know, how can gambling be an addiction? You're not putting something into your body. I think people are hearing on a regular basis that it could be just as devastating as drug use or alcohol use, right? It's progressive. It starts off early on or it starts off as a fun form of entertainment. But for some people, for some reason, it starts to develop and just change. You know, Dr. Fong said, you know, people with gambling problems just process gambling differently, right? They're not damaged. They're just processing it differently. So it's a real addiction. It's a real disease. But there's help and hope available. No doubt. Appreciate your time as always. That's Dan Trelaro, Council on Compulsive Gambling for New Jersey. Give them a call if you need to. 800-GAMBLER, 24-7. The calls are always anonymous, and they will always get you to the right place to get the help that you need. Enjoy your Father's Day. And uh, maybe uh, this weekend, if you feel like it, uh, you could finally take a shot at the champion in MLB The Show. I will be available. (laughs) <laughs> I'm ready. Bring it on. I've been practicing. Uh, take Father's care. Day. Enjoy Father's Day. We'll uh, see you next Saturday right here on Hello, My Name is Craig on 101.9 FM, The Fan. Evan Roberts is next, and then Evan and I back Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock here on The Fan. Enjoy your weekend.